And we welcome you to our evening service. Thank you for joining with us at home and tuning in. We pray that we would know the voice of God speaking to us and the Holy Spirit working in us as we join together. If I could read two verses from Psalm 104 to begin with, verse 33 and 34. I will sing to the Lord Most High, so long as I shall live, and while I being have, I shall, to my God praises give. Of whom my meditation shall sweet thoughts to me afford, and as for me, I will rejoice in God, my only Lord. Let us join together and pray for a while to begin. Our Father in heaven, we thank you again for this day that you have given us. We pray as we join together, we would hear your voice speaking to our souls. Our souls that are so different. Every man's thoughts different. You do not know what lies in the heart of man, but you know. For you know us better than we know ourselves. And so we come to you as we are. May we not try to pretend that we are better than we are, that you see us for all our faults. And yet you choose to work in us and to save us as your people. We pray that you would continue to do so, even though we cannot join together and go to church and worship like we used to, that you would still be active in our separate homes, speaking to us and presenting Christ as a reality for us, to listen to the words of the Holy Scripture, listen to the voice of God speak to us in our souls, convicting us. We pray that we would come and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, for we do not know what an hour may bring forth for us. And these days seem so uncertain that we do not know what will await us throughout this winter time as more restrictions are put on us as a nation, that we would be protected from the virus, that your hand would be ultimately protecting us as we pray for it to do so. For we know that no guidance from any mere man will protect our souls, that, that we would listen to the word of God, that that would be our ultimate guidance for our souls. For it is sure and faithful. For you have proven yourself to be sure and faithful, worthy to be trusted above all men, even men of high reproach. You are of the highest authority. And we would come and 
bow ourselves before you as our King and the King of our hearts. So we pray for our leaders of our countries, that you would guide them and that they would seek your guidance, that they would not lean on their own understanding, but ultimately admit that they do not know the best route to proceed with, but that if they proceed with Christ, then they shall be doing well. And we remember those who have lost loved ones, those who have had changes to their lives, changes that are irreversible, that are felt with great sorrow, that we would be praying for them that you would comfort them, that they would know the comforting arms of Christ, upholding them and surrounding them in ways that we as men cannot cannot quite manage like you do. Our words seem so inadequate to offer any comfort at times of sorrow. And yet we can just commend them to you and your care. We pray for our schools that you would resume some normality for the children and the teachers and that they would be settled that the virus would not spread amongst them and that you would keep it at bay for we are so lucky on an island how you have protected us and that you have listened to the prayers of your people but we pray that more people would be asking for your protection and seeking your protecting hand over their lives and ultimately seeing that you are worth trusting. So we pray for all efforts made today in sharing the gospel, that your spirit may be active in our homes. Wherever the word is preached, Speak through the speaker. Lord, draw people to yourselves, even in times like we are. We ask that you would be with us. Keep the evil one from us. Keep our eyes focused on Christ. And let us sit at his feet for a moment, listening to any word that he may speak to us, as Mary was so diligent to do, sitting at the feet of Jesus. May we enjoy this time, this time of teaching, maybe of correction, but a time that we can look back on and say it was good that we were here. So we ask that you would forgive us our sins. Lead us in a time of worship. Forgive us in all our wrongdoings. And we ask all these things in the name of our Saviour, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Now, if we could say a word to the younger ones that are listening with us today. Later on, I'm going to talk about a man called Naaman. He had a skin disease 
called leprosy. And le leprosy, although we read about it in the Bible, it still exists today and people still suffer from having leprosy. And there's actually a group that are called the Mission to the Lepers. It was set up by a Christian man uh, from Ireland and he he was out in India and he seen people with leprosy and he felt like he had to do something to help them. And so he set up this group called the Mission to the Lepers and they care for people with leprosy and look after them. Because still in many countries, if you get leprosy, people don't really want to be around you in case they catch it as well. And so the, these people are neglected even by their families and told to go away. And this group will take you in and look after you and give you a place, a safe place to stay if you ever experience something like this. And so there's lepers that maybe no one really wants to be around and maybe no one wants to come and see. But one day a princess came and visited the people in one of these hospitals, full of people with leprosy. And she was a very important person. It was actually Princess Diana. And she was very important. She didn't have to go, but she wanted to go. And she wanted to go and see the people. And I was amazed when I heard of this story because she was told that she could go in and she could talk with the people who had leprosy. But, she, well, she did. She went in and she spoke with them. But she also sat beside them. And she asked them how they were, and she held their hands as well. She had no fear of touching them, although she was advised probably wouldn't be the best thing to do, but she did it, because she had a heart for the people. And one of the men working in this hospital said that we have lots of people coming to visit us to see what we do. But this princess came to see the people. And that makes all the difference. And it reminds me of, of what Jesus has done for us. And we, we even remember the stories of Jesus uh, healing people with leprosy in the Bible. He touched them and he healed them from that disease because they too were... Uh, neglected by the people around them. Jesus, like the princess, came for the people. He didn't come to see the world. He came to save the people of the world and to show his love towards them and to hold their hands and to sit beside them and to talk with them and to ask them how they were and to show his love that is far, far greater and far, far deeper than the love that this princess showed to the people. We should remember that, that Jesus came into the world because he has a love for everyone and for you especially. That his love 
is greater than anyone else can show us. Even when people don't want to love us as if we had leprosy. But he will stay with us as the princess had to leave at some time. If we ask Jesus to stay with us, he will. And he will be a comfort and a great friend to us for the rest of our lives. So I pray that you would ask Jesus to stay with you for the rest of your life and that you would know him to be someone who loves you far more than any princess ever would. For he is the king of all kings and he loves you greater and deeper than anyone ever can. We'll say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. Well, if we could turn to our reading today, which we'll find in the book of Second Kings, chapter 5. As I said earlier, this is the account of Naaman. Second Kings, chapter 5. We read from the beginning down to verse 14. Let us hear the word of God. Naaman, a commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and high in high favour, because by whom the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valour, but he was a leper. Now the Syrians, on one of their raids, had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, Would that my lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his lord, Thus and so spoke the little girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive? That this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. 
And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry and went away, saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Farpa, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. But his servants came near and said to him, My father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. May the reading of God's word be blessed to us, and may we hear God speak to us through it. So if we look at this account of Naaman, who was a leper, and we can use verse 13 as our text. It is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Now the last time I led worship, we looked at the account of Elijah and Elisha as they crossed to the river Jordan before Elijah ascended into heaven. So if we continue today as it were at this river Jordan again and ponder over this man Naaman, this great and well-respected commander of the Syrian army who was held in high regard, but we read he was a leper who found that when he obeyed the word that was given to him and washed in the river Jordan, received healing from this disease that clung to him. Now, for the basis of our thoughts today, can we take the people who brought significant words to Naaman? Even though themselves may have been regarded as insignificant in Naaman's eyes, these are the slave, the messenger, and the servant. And it's actually an acronym of SMS. These messages, messages that have been given to Naaman. And I wonder, will you hear a message today as you listen? Will you find a resemblance in the character of Naaman? or even in the other three who spoke significant words to him. Naaman will represent for us the, the seeker of Christ, and the slave, the messenger, and the servant will re represent for us the Christian. So if we begin by looking at the slave girl. So we meet this slave girl, having been taken captive from the Israelites on one after one of their raids, in verse 2. And we can imagine her to be working alongside her mistress in the house of Naaman, 
and for whatever task she was fulfilling at the time, we do not know. But it would help that wee bit to uh, portray her character to us. It would give us an increased clarity of this little girl. But in fact, of those that we will look at, of the three, we don't have much information about their character. Uh, but by the little of what they say to us, does characterize them for us. And before we go any further, it's important for ourselves to remember this, that we are characterized by what we say. And people paint pictures of us by the words that we speak. And oftentimes we say things we wish we hadn't. And must endeavor against doing this, especially as Christians, we must watch our words. And so that people would say of us that we would be characterized by the Christ that dwells in us. And that we would be leaving an impression of Christ's nature through our words. So what did this slave girl say? Would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. Verse 3. Though this girl was now in Syria and effectively in enemy's territory and even directly placed probably under the most influential and authoritative voice within that whole country, she remained confident enough to speak of the goodness and hope that could be found in the land of Israel. And she was confident enough to speak and to share this information, even though she probably had the smallest of voices in that household. She would have had absolutely no authority over anyone. She would have been considered the least of the least. Yet, when God speaks a word through someone, he promises that his words will not return to him empty, but shall accomplish that for which I purpose. Isaiah 55. And out of the three that we meet today, this slave girl probably been the one that would have been easiest to listen to. This little servant girl, diligently working, innocently and confidently assured in the hope that he could find and relieve him from the situation that he faced. And maybe it was words spoken just in the innocence of childhood. We don't actually know the age of this girl. But many of us can agree that there is a significance found in the unrefined and uninfluenced voice of a youth that can, ob that can highlight obvious truths. Particularly when we speak of God, children somewhat have a a clearer image of God than grown-ups do. Uh, maybe even your own children 
were the means of bringing the gospel into your home. As this little slave girl was for Naaman's household. And like this little girl, they possess a faith that does not doubt, doubt, but says, God will do it. And of all the words that she ever spoke, these few words are the ones that she will always be remembered for. Because these are the words that started it all for Naaman. They set the foundations for him. And effectively, they're laying a path ahead of him. And she is there saying, go and follow this path in order to be healed. And what an example for the Christian. Fearless and confident in the situation that she was in. Assured that Christ would work in this man. That there was a hope for this man. Even though she probably didn't know the effectiveness of these words that she spoke. But that the Holy Spirit would apply them. Maybe she never even knew that Naaman had gone or that he was planning on going. And I wonder how long he thought over these words before he did go. Probably thinking, can her words be true? Will I spend all this time traveling across the country to find this man? Will I even find him? And will he even want to heal me, even though he has the ability to do so? Why on earth is he going to heal me when I've raided the country of Israel so many times? And so many people within that country probably hate me. But if I stay here, I will not be cured and I will probably be abandoned by my people and more than likely lose my position of authority and be forced to live in isolation. The, the future that awaits me by remaining is it's a bleak picture for me. And so he must have resolved to go while he had the ability to do so. And maybe your thoughts are likewise today. Thinking over the path that maybe has been spoken to you many times before. The path of healing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Will you go this way to be healed of your sins? For the unbeliever will have no healing without Christ. Even though the devil will come and say to you, you will be happy with this and this will satisfy you. They do for a time or for a moment, but there is no last, lasting satisfaction found in anything that the world offers to us. And essentially every sinner is facing a bleak future as Naaman would have considered himself. Requiring a remedy and today being told that Christ is the only man who can heal you of your sins. He will cure you if only you will resolve to go and seek after him. And we pray that you will. So let us move on to the messenger. Our second character, the messenger of Elisha, 
we can say represents one of the most direct messages from God. A message passed on by one who dwelt closest to the man of God. A direct order from a sure source. And what did he say? Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. Verse 10. Now this messenger most likely would have been considered as one of the sons of the prophets. So what does his remark tell us about his character? Well, we can for sure say that he is obedient. He's following the orders that has been given to him. As he dwells under the authority of Elisha, the man of God, and so is trusting and going forth with this message. Even though outside awaits the most brutal man Israel probably knew at the time, and he's come in a, with a presence of power, with all these gifts, and his, his, his royal clothing, and his company of horses and chariots. And who is this man, this messenger, compared to the renowned name of Naaman? You can imagine him being told by Elisha to go out and deliver this message and coming out of this most basic home and walking towards Naaman thinking, this man has not come to see me. And if I tell him what Elisha wants me to tell him, he's probably not going to like it. Sure, but this would not find favour with this man that was so honourable. And he delivers the message and it seems that it was humiliating for Naaman as a commander of Syria. Firstly, that the fact that Elisha didn't even come out to see him after diligently seeking after him. This long journey that he has travelled even as a sick man. And you know yourself, we can sympathise with him in a way that if you're sick, the last thing you want to do is start travelling across the country, even by today's standards, let alone by horse and chariot. Secondly, it's humiliating because he was told to wash in the Jordan. And obviously we don't know much of the cleanliness of the Jordan, but it seems that it wasn't renowned for it either, as Naaman himself states better options that would make more reason and bit more understanding for him to do so. But no, that was the river that he was to wash in, whether it was considered clean or not. And the word wash is specifically referencing to bathe, so it would have meant him exposing himself honestly and fully for what he was, showing every part of the disease that clung to him. He was told to re effectively remove all these royal gowns and coverings that will hide your impurities. And don't even wash once or twice. Do it seven times. 
And to see a man of his position to wash in a place like this would not have been the custom. He did not get the miracle that he wanted to receive, but he got what he needed. And he was even angered by this need that met his want. Just not the way he wished it to be so, because it put a demand on him to trust in someone else and to humble himself and to forget everything that he has known. He had to wash just as he was, without even giving a gift to anyone prior to going. So this commander, he was commanded and it doesn't find favour with him. And he even likens to change God's word to suit himself, that the remedy would fit his reasoning. And how guilty are we of doing that as seekers, as Christians and as churches? I mean, we're inclined to say, well, not today. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe when I'm older. Can we do it in my time? And can we do it at my place that I choose? Can we not do it when I'm with this person? Or as a Christian, I say, can I not do that for you, God, at another time? The church might say, well, we might not do it this way, or we might not believe this doctrine that the Bible teaches. We'll tweak it a wee bit to suit our own reasoning, making things seem like they make more sense to us. I will do what you say, but I will do it slightly differently. I won't totally depart from your word. I will just make it more acceptable to me. You know yourself this would have done Naaman no good. He would have only have wasted his time had he gone to these other rivers. He still would have required to come back and wash in the Jordan. The Christian here and this messenger is as the messenger of the preacher or the Christian who is convicted to deliver a message, resolved to pass on God's word and method of salvation under his authority. What an encouragement is here for the Christian, even though your hearer may have absolutely no regard for what you say and may even despise it. You yourself might be fearful to speak a word at the given time, to share the gospel message with the thought, well, they're probably not going to take this very well. They're probably not going to accept this message. Nevertheless, the whole gospel truth needs to be set before all men. The Christian needs to be an obedient uh, servant to his master, willing to 
speak for God and pray that his spirit would apply it, working faith in men, not knowing whether one day it may bear fruit or not. Maybe you are listening today as a seeker of Christ, saying, well, yes, I would like to be a Christian. And it is right that you have come to listen to the word of God, been preached, you've been set out on this path, and you're coming to listen to the gospel, even under the circumstances that we find ourselves. And what we say to you now is that you must forget all worldly possessions and worldly wealth and admit and confess all your sinful wrongdoings in prayer before Christ. Allow all your pride to be removed from you. Take off any uh, good clothing, as it were, and expose yourself as you are, a sinner in need of Christ. For all your wrongdoings and ask that Christ would wash you clean that you would come to him and see your need but will you accept it as a way to meet your need maybe hoping like Naaman that he would just wave his hand over you and do a miraculous work before your eyes something that would be spectacular to see and to feel and maybe even that you could leave a donation towards God's work for doing so. We have our ways and God has his. For his ways are surely better for us. He does not want any gold or silver. But he wants your heart. And he doesn't want a part of it, but he wants all of it. He would strip you of everything that you have as Naaman was stripped just to wash as he was. And somewhat, sometimes to give our heart is harder than anything else we could give. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Hebrews 3 verse 7. How do you think God will save you? Are you waiting for this miraculous sign to satisfy your reasoning? Not by this, or not by an uneventful method, such as coming to church and hearing the preaching of the gospel or reading my Bible and praying to God. Or as Naaman had to wash in this river that he didn't think was good enough to wash in. It's almost like the church that Christ chooses to cleanse and clean sinners by. The church isn't perfect, and it is full of sinful people. But they are all trusting in Christ. And so you might look and say, I'm not going to go there. But that's how God works. That's how Christ chooses and has told us to preach the gospel. That we would 
diligently come and be cleansed in private and public worship and devotions towards him, acknowledging him as our King and our Saviour. And you know what, you might not notice a change the first time you come, or even the second, or even the third or the fourth, not even the seventh time. But God's working in you will be perfect, ultimately. That we are to be diligent to keep coming to him, asking for him to clean us. And maybe his working in us is so gradual that we don't even notice ourselves changing. I, I wondered it was Naaman's uh, leprosy or signs of leprosy washed off gradually every time he dipped himself in the river or was it miraculously washed away on the seventh time? We don't know but God chooses to work differently with different people. Some people have conversions that happen all of a sudden and some people are converted gradually in this gradual washing where Christ washes our sins away. Not realising ourselves sometimes the change that has taken place in our heart and in our desires. And it's almost easier for other people to see the difference in us than it is to see it in ourselves. That we would lean entirely on the word of God for his means of salvation. Trusting in the cleansing power of the blood of Christ that was poured out on us for us as payment for our sins on the cross at Calvary. He is the one who is satisfactory to wash away our sins. He is the only remedy for us. And so let us look at our last person, the servant. I suppose of the three, this man would have been the closest to Naaman. After all, he was favoured to assist him along in this journey. Now his character that we see uh, as he displayed in him his character of wisdom, calmness, and he has a consideration for his master. Even as he approaches him in his rage and his passions, he does not come with him to stir him up and to join in his aggravation and say, yes, let's go and wash in these other rivers. He represents the message of Elisha. Maybe even with a greater clarity for him to understand. Possibly that's why he had been chosen even in the first place to be his set. That he had the ability to give this wise voice of reason in the midst of extreme trials. And to assist his master at times of war, at times of battle, in the best way possible. So he is such an important friend here. For if we consider what would have happened had he not been there, would Naaman have walked away? He actually says, My father, it is great, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? Verse 13. This man 
as a I see him as a Christian friend who knows her faults and feelings better than most. As someone you can trust and importantly is there in your time of need to clarify truths to you, maybe in a way that no one else can. It's a precious friend and a voice of reason to your soul. Maybe this friend has presented the gospel to you in a way that no one else ever has. And maybe even they have given you clarity enough to that you would resolve to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in him. And we often, we often need that ourselves because we can become so engulfed in our disappointments and our passions that we cannot see the wood for the trees. Friends like these are priceless to us. And it is another of the Christian's work to give that clarity to men who are in difficult positions, difficult providences, and also to discern the word of God for them even when we try and change it to suit ourselves, to make that correction that we must remain faithful to what the Word of God says. And for you who we consider as a seeker, take heart, for there is healing for you. For name and travel all that way, maybe wondering, would I be healed? Can he heal me? But there is healing. There is healing for you. It is a sure word. Would you walk away now? So near. Like Naaman, it is commendable that he listened to his friend's words or his servant's words. Maybe the previous word from Elisha was having an effect on him already. He was so close to being healed that we can say he nearly never went for healing. What a sad realization that would have been for us to be so close to salvation, knowing the gospel message and knowing what we must do, but not doing it for our own pride. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That is the remedy of your sins. Trust in the Lord. He stood so close to the cleansing power of the Jordan that had he not taken heed of what the servant said, he would never have been healed. How many times have you heard the gospel message? This probably isn't the first. Maybe you've heard it hundreds of times and how close can you be? Or are you going to continue letting your reason rule you? That you would seek these cleaner rivers that would make more sense to you rather than trusting in this Christ who died on the cross for you. Even though you don't understand fully how his death will cleanse you.
This story is so well known to us. Possibly you've heard it many times. Let us today listen to the voice of God that speaks to us. Does he have a message for you today? You only have to believe. And I say to you today, listening, as the last plead of the seven, will you not do it? Nearly never is always better than never. Had Naaman never gone to the Jordan, he would never have been healed. But he nearly never went, but he did. That makes all the difference. That we would listen to these words. Has he not said, wash and be clean? Believe and be saved? Die to self and live? This is Jesus Christ's word to you today. Will you not do it? That you would be cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. There's a quote that I found. Uh, it reads, I must honour the word that is without me rather than the conceited light that is in me. It was John Pulsford that said that. That's so true that we can reason ourselves, even reason our way of salvation. But that's not ultimately the best thing for me, for my own understanding isn't clear and I must give that honour to God's word and trust in God's word what he says to me. So there you have these three people, the slave who gave him the first hope, the messenger who faithfully spoke God's word and the servant who clarified the message to him, just believe and obey. Will you not do it? Amen. May these thoughts be blessed to us today. Can we conclude by singing in Psalm 103 from the beginning in the Scottish Psalter, verses 1 to 4. O thou my soul, bless God the Lord and all that in me is, be stirred up his holy name to magnify and bless. Bless, O my soul, the Lord thy God, and not forgetful be of all his gracious benefits he hath bestowed on me. All thine iniquities, who doth most graciously forgive, who thy diseases all and pains doth heal and thee relieve, who doth redeem thy life, that thou to death mayst not go down, who thee with loving kindness doth, and tender mercies crown. We'll sing these verses to God's praise. Oh, thou my soul, bless God the Lord, and Oh.
conclude with a word of prayer. Lord, open our eyes to see how trustworthy your words are. Let us be faithful and obeying them, regardless of what it means for our lives. That we would put all pride away from us. And that we would come exactly as we are. Not trying to refine ourselves or make ourselves better before we do so. That we would come trusting in the one who listens to our prayer. And says that those who believe in him shall be saved. You are the one who will wash us clean. For our righteousness are as filthy rags. And yet you clothe us with your righteousness that are pure and undefiled. So we pray, wash us fully. It is a perfect work that you do in us. Even though we admit ourselves that we are far from perfect. Lord be with us in the week ahead. Forgive us our sins we pray. And all these things we ask in the name of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.